Welcome to Fusion Student Ministries. We hope this message equips and encourages you. Uh, let me recap. Who was here uh, for last, I guess, a couple weeks ago? I preached a message on comparison. Uh, let me see your hands if you made it out to that. Um, if you didn't, um, if you didn't, uh, go check it out on a podcast. Um, and the reason I'm saying that is, I'm not saying that I'm something to go and listen to twice, but I do think that that God had some really good like little nuggets in there um, that I got the day of. Normally, I'll, I'll start writing my message a week out, and that day, I think I got more of my message two or three hours before I preached. Um, and so I got up here kind of, you know, not knowing how it was going to go. I didn't have time to make sure it flowed in a message and all that type of stuff. But um, as I was listening to some of those things, I realized I wasn't just preaching to you guys. I was preaching to me, too. And so I just want to encourage you. I'll recap real quick um, before we move on to tonight's message. Um, it was called The Dangers of Comparison. It was The Dangers of Comparison. And I, I made this point that you guys, your generation, faces comparison more than any generation ever has. And I said it was because of social media, because no other generations ever had to deal with um, as much bombardment of look what such and such is doing and look what I'm not doing. Right. And so I said that um, there's a quote that I said last week uh, that's from another pastor. He said, we compare our behind the scenes with other people's highlight reel whenever we're constantly bombarding ourselves with, with comparison on social media. Um, I made a point that said comparison kills your purpose by taking your focus off of growing where you are and putting it on where someone else is. So when you quit focusing on growing yourself and you start focusing on someone else, you kind of get in the way of your own purpose. And then lastly, I said comparison kills a few things in our lives, and I'll list a few. Uh, it, it kills your happiness. It kills your joy. It kills your peace. And I said it kills your thankfulness. And so um, every week before I preach or every other week or whenever I, I end up preaching, I always ask the Lord, like, all right, God, I got 30 minutes or 45 minutes um, to speak. What would you want me to say? And uh, oftentimes I have a list of things I want to say, uh, and I end up throwing that list away and going with something I didn't even think about. Well, this time, um, I felt like the Lord was talking about Thanksgiving. And I thought, well, of course, you know, we're in the Thanksgiving season. That's where we're heading. It's such like a cliche message to preach in November. And uh, so, of course, I didn't think that was the Lord. But um, this might disappoint you. Um, I'm not going to talk about uh, how to stuff a turkey or, uh, I know, or pilgrims and Indians or any of that stuff. Um, but I'm going to talk about Thanksgiving and, and maybe a different spin on Thanksgiving, not so much the holiday, but really what's that mean and some components uh, to Thanksgiving. And so let me start off by saying this. I don't know about you guys, but the older I get, the more I, I run into this thing called um, familiarity or becoming familiar with something. And like like the first time you see something cool, you might think like, man, Check this out. You might even call people over to it to check it out with you. It might be a movie. Uh, it might be a new car. It might be something like that. But eventually it becomes old. You become familiar with it. And I think when we become familiar with things, it, they lose their meaning or they lose their impact. Or, um, or, or we don't, we don't really, we're not really thankful. We can, we can lose thankfulness for things because we become familiar. And as I was thinking, the first thing that came to my mind uh, was a toilet. 
was a toilet. Now, it might be a little, a little weird, but stick with me. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I don't usually sit and think, you know, I am just, God, I'm beside myself. I'm so thankful for toilets. Like, I just don't think that. Um, but I started to Google a few little facts about, about toilets. And uh, I'll share those with you tonight. And uh, it, it's kind of, I know me saying toilets is funny, but I, I hate to be the Debbie Downer here, but <laughs> these are some of the facts I found. Okay, there are 7.1 billion people in the world, and 2.5 billion of them don't have toilets. I'm very thankful that I'm not in that 2.5 category, but I want to put that number into perspective for you. So if 2.5 billion people don't have toilets, how much is 2.5 billion? So I googled how many people are in the United States, and it's 318 million people. And then I combined Canada and Mexico with the United States, and that's only 475 million people. That's not even a fifth or 20% of 2.5 billion. So after I did the math, a third of the people in the world don't have toilets. That's crazy. Like, we take that for granted every day. Like, I, I think we, most of us use the toilet every day if, if we're healthy. Um, running water, running water is another one. I mean, I take a shower once a day, sometimes twice a day. Some of us don't take showers as much as we should take showers. Um, but man, we have that luxury. If we want to wash our hands, we can just hit a faucet, wash our hands, take a shower. Um, we have, you know, plumbing, running water, 2.5 billion people. Man, they don't even have that. And that's just an example of becoming familiar. So what I want to do with that, talking about Thanksgiving, we do that with Thanksgiving. Really, to, to me, when I hear the word Thanksgiving, it's just a holiday. That's what comes to my mind. It's just like, all right, it's a holiday. Uh, I eat a ton of food at Thanksgiving. Uh, see a bunch of family at Thanksgiving. Sometimes that's kind of weird. Sometimes it's really cool. Um, everybody, I think, has like some weird family members. And, you know, if, if you don't think so, then you're probably the weird one that people say that about. Um, but that's what I think. And so I just Googled the definition of Thanksgiving and I saw it says just to give thanks. But I wasn't satisfied with that. And so I thought, all right, God, if you put on my heart to preach about Thanksgiving and I don't want to talk about a holiday, I don't want to talk about stuffing a turkey or pilgrims. I don't want to keep talking about toilets. What is it that you want me to talk about? And this is what I felt like the Lord lay on my heart. It was just a phrase. And, and this is where I want to start the message at. This is what I felt like the Lord say. You can't be thankful without having first received something. And you can't receive something if something isn't given. And I'm going to say that again because I want that to echo as, we, as, as I preach this message. You can't be thankful without having first received something. And you can't receive something if something isn't given. So tonight's message is called The Ingredients for Thanksgiving. Is that cheesy? Kind of cheesy? All right. Well, I ran it by a few people. They liked it. I think they just said they liked it, so I would say a cheesy title because I thought it was cheesy. But anyway, The Ingredients for Thanksgiving. Um, almost had the recipe for Thanksgiving. Um, and I have a, a couple others I won't share with you. But um, So I want to talk about three things that can be difficult to do, but they're necessary in order to have true Thanksgiving. And that's these three things, giving, receiving, and being thankful. Giving, receiving, and being thankful. I want you to leave tonight 
with this message in your mind for the rest of the month. And, and as I see you, I'm going to ask you um, about the, the end part of this message. And, uh, and I really hope that it has the effect on you that it's had on me, even since I started studying this thing. It's kind of started to shift my perspective. So the first thing I want to talk about is giving. And I think giving can be, uh, can be one of the hardest parts of this. Um, but I want to tell you a little story. Um, how many of you like to wear boots in here? Uh, how many guys like to wear boots in here? <laughs> All right, well, I like to wear boots. Um, so I was in high school, 16, I was working, and I saw this pair of boots that I really wanted. And so I'm, I'm from Homa. I'm learning like a lot of people around here. Some people wear boots, but not, not really a whole lot of people wear that. I was informed that I wasn't cool because I didn't wear boots. Anyway, um, I had my eye on this pair of boots, and they were, they were kind of expensive. And so I just put a little bit aside here and there, and um, I was saving up for them. Well, I used to go work out every day after work. And I had the same routine. There was a Shell gas station right before the gym. And there was this lady in there um, named Miss Kathy. And Miss Kathy was like, you ever meet like one of those older ladies that are like an instant grandma? Like when you meet them, like they automatically take you in as their grandma. Like anybody ever saw Big Mama's house in here? Okay, it's like, it's like if you were good to Big Mama, how she would have treated you. That's how Miss Kathy treated me. I mean, every day I'd go get a Red Bull and then I'd go work out. And I didn't know a lot about her other than her name was Miss Kathy and she loved to come give me hugs and all this stuff. Well, fast forward, I save up the money for these boots and I, I, wasn't, I wasn't a Christian at the time, but it, side note, God can speak to you even if you're not a Christian. That's a, I know that's a theological uh, point, but anyway. Um, so man, I'm, I'm pulling up in, in the Shell station and I'm running in and I don't even know what I was doing. I wasn't going to work out. I was on my way to go buy these boots. And I walk in and, and Miss Kathy was kind of teared up, you know. And so I, I asked what was wrong and she didn't really say. And so I get back to my truck and I felt like the Lord was telling me to get, give her that boot money. And like now I know it was the Lord. I, I didn't know what in the world at the time was telling me to, to give her that boot money. And so I kind of went back in and I had it in an envelope. That's what I was saving it in. And I just handed her the envelope. And I was like, hey, I know this is probably really weird. Um, I just feel like I'm supposed to do this. And so I, I did that. And so she grabbed my hand and like asked me, what is this? And it, it kind of startled me. And so uh, I was like, uh, it's, it's money. Because some people would be insulted by that. I've, I've heard of that happening. And when she grabbed my hand, I thought that's what that was. I thought she was insulted. So anyway, she opens it up and stuff. And um, man, she started crying. Well, I knew this about Miss Kathy. She was a janitor at a school during the day. And she worked at gas stations or this gas station at night. Her husband was sick. I had known that. And her son worked at the gas station too. They both worked to pay the bills at the house and the medical bills and stuff like that. Um, but what I didn't know is that they laid her off that week from the school. So she lost her janitor job, had no idea. So she's crying and she's telling me, I lost my janitor job. Um, she didn't count the money or anything like that. Um, she's telling me I lost my janitor job and I was just praying and asking the Lord to provide and you're giving me this, this envelope. She didn't know how much was in it. Um, honestly, I don't think I knew exactly either. But uh, the next week I went back and her son was working. And I was like, hey, where's your mom? And she said, my, my dad was in the hospital. So she's taking care of him. And he's, he's telling me this story. Hey, somebody gave my mom some money last week. It was to the dollar, 
the medicine that my dad needed that she didn't have the money for. That's a true story. God is my witness. That's a true story. And I had no idea that was fixing to happen. I was upset and angry, kind of mad at Miss Kathy because I didn't get my pair of boots. But I started to notice, started to notice this. Um, you know, here we are. This is 10 years later. And um, the simple act of me giving had more of an impact than if I'd have bought those boots. And there's, there, those boots, honestly, I don't even remember what color they were. And if I would have bought them, I, they definitely wouldn't still be on my feet today. I mean, that's 10 years ago. They'd be in a trash dump somewhere. Um, but here's what I remember. I remember walking in, seeing Miss Kathy crying. I remember her coming across that counter and giving me the biggest hug she'd ever given me before and just crying and sobbing. And in that moment, there was no room for um, immaturity. There was no room for, oh, what's this lady hugging me for? Any of that type of stuff. There was like a, a heart connection in that moment. I, I knew that it was a heartfelt thing. And man, I walked away from that realizing that was the best feeling I'd felt in a long time, the feeling of giving. And so I said that, I said that story, I almost made up some other name, but um, it's, not the, it's not about me giving. It's about the power of giving. It's about how when you give, really you receive. When you give, really you receive. And so if we're looking at the context of thanksgiving, we have to know that giving is a necessary part of that. It's a necessary part of that, of that interaction. So I want to ask the question, maybe, maybe you felt led to give an actual gift to somebody. Or, or maybe, it was a, maybe it's financial. Maybe it was giving your time. Uh, maybe it was, it was giving them an ear to listen to. Um, it's a rhetorical question, but how was that experience for you? Just reflect for a moment. How was that experience for you whenever you gave to somebody in some way? Uh, did it make you thankful? Do you still remember it? You know, I've been prompted to give all of those things time and ear to listen, uh, some physical, maybe, maybe it's money or something like that, more times. I've been prompted to do that more times than I've actually went through with. And I, I wish I could tell you that I, I'm, I'm on the money every time. You know, I wish I could tell you that I do it every time. I don't. And when I was praying through this, I thought, well, why is that? What are some things that could get in the way of, of me being a giver or us being a giver? What are some things that get in the way of our generosity? And the first thing that I want to talk about is fear. Um, I felt led to give before, but I feared, man, what, what if I need that? You know, like what if, what if it was a dollar amount? What if I need that dollar amount? Can I really afford to do that? The other, the other thing is nervousness. Um, sometimes I felt like it could be kind of awkward. Even in that story with Miss Kathy, I just felt like that would have been really awkward. And I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't like awkwardness. Um, can't stand it, actually. And so I, I, I'd not give because I didn't want the awkward moment. Um, I know one time in particular, it was my pride. Like I felt like I was supposed to give some time to somebody. Like I was supposed to help somebody and lend them my time, but... I just felt like, man, I don't want to be, and I feel bad saying this, but I felt like, oh, I don't know if I want to be seen with that person. Or what if somebody else sees me hanging around this person? And that, that, that stopped me from giving. And the other thing was, honestly, man, sometimes I can be this way and we can all be this way. It's selfish. Sometimes it's just, I want that. That's mine. It's the, it's the, it's the me, my mentality. And it stopped me from giving. Let's look at Acts chapter 20. Verse 35, 
Acts 20, verse 35. Hey, I like being up here because I'm short and I like to see everybody. Can y'all still see this stuff? Mostly. All right, I'm going to move around a lot. So Acts chapter 20, verse 35, Paul says this. He says, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. But here's the catch. In order to give, somebody's got to receive, right? In order to give, somebody's got to receive. So the second part of that is receiving. Now, I know it might seem like a contradiction because if you're more blessed to give than to receive, don't you not want to be the receiver? And so I want to look at that verse again. It says, and everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, this is the second part I want you to see. We must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus Christ himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So I want to make this point. It's important to give to have thanksgiving, but it's also important to receive. Just because you're receiving doesn't mean you're not giving. Just because you're receiving doesn't mean you're not giving. And I'll give you an example. Everybody in here has a strong area of their life. Maybe it's like an emotional area of your life, or maybe, maybe you don't want for one thing that your friend wants, or Maybe you're very encouraged and you're in a great mood and you got a friend who needs some encouragement. There's always a time and a place for somebody to, to receive what you have for them. And there's always a time and a place for you to receive what somebody else has for you. And I'll talk about this in like a, a, a simple way, like a physical way. It's a matter of perspective. To an 18-year-old, a 10-year-old's weak, right? So the 10-year-old would receive from the 18-year-old. But... To a five-year-old, a 10-year-old is strong, and a five-year-old is weak. And the 10-year-old gives to the five-year-old, but the 10-year-old still receiving. Am I making sense? And so I would get caught up in, in that verse, and I would say, well, man, I can't receive anything because it's more important for me to give. And it was causing me to, to do something that really is kind of crazy, but it was causing me to sabotage God's blessings in my life. I'll tell you all a story. I heard a pastor talk about this. Um, but before I do, ha has anybody ever had a hard time receiving a gift? Yeah. Um, I'm surprised that many people had a hard time receiving a gift. I was expecting a no. Um, but man, I have had a harder time receiving gifts from people than giving gifts from uh, to people. And, um, and this story, when this pastor was telling the story I'm going to share with you guys, I so identified this. So I was listening to this guy. And he felt called into ministry, and he owned a chain of businesses. And um, the ministry he was called into was about an hour away. So him and his wife met and stuff, and he, he decided, they decided they were going to sell his businesses. So a vendor, somebody that, that supplied him, said they'd buy it. So they did this thing to where it's something called escrow, which means that there's a sale going on. It's just not completely final. That's a simple way to put it. So they were in escrow, kind of like in limbo for about six months. So this pastor, I mean, the business was sold, and him and his wife moved an hour away, and they started doing ministry, and they did it for free. The agreement was to do it for free for the first year. So they're not getting paid at all. They were going to live off of the sale of the business. Well, six months into it, they uprooted their family. They had bought a house. I mean, the whole nine yards, the people buying the business from them went bankrupt. 
And so literally overnight, he went from having like, I don't know, a couple hundred thousand into his, uh, in his account to owing, man, I think like $2 million or something like that with no job at all. So this guy's pastoring for free. All of a sudden, he's $2 million in debt. Now, it's kind of a long story, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to narrow it down a little bit. But what happened was he got forgiven right off the bat half the debt. So a million dollars of it, boom, the bank forgave. That's unheard of. That was favor from God right there. Then he owed like $250,000 just in taxes. Well, he got forgiven up to like, I think he only owed $30,000 or something like that. So the problem with that is, I mean, all these things are working out for him. Instead of $2 million, he owes $1 million. Instead of $250,000 in taxes, he owes $30,000. All this stuff's working out for him. Well, he gets to the point to where all he owes is $30,000 because he just kept running in the favor and it was getting to be crunch time. If he didn't pay this, he was going to be in some serious trouble. So he's on his way to a prayer meeting one night and he walks in and everybody's, you know, at standard prayer meetings, there's a direction like, hey, we're going to pray for this. All right, everybody pray. So he goes in there and as everybody's praying, his pastor hands him an envelope and he opens up the envelope and he, he glances at it real quick and it was $3,000. And so he makes the point of, I mean, like, hey, $3,000 when you're broken in debt's a whole lot of money. So he said, man, he ruined the prayer meeting. He was running around. Oh, my God, I got $3,000 jumping up and down, freaking out. And so he's shaking people and his pastor comes back up to him and says, hey, look at that again. And so he looks at it again and he notices the name John something or whatever on it. And he kind of looks back at his pastor. He said, look at the amount. And he looks and it was 30,000. He missed a zero. So man, literally all his debt got forgiven. Now this is the part where it comes to having hard times receiving things. Okay. So he says this, he said, man, you know, I was in a, I was in a service. Uh, his pastor was preaching. He's like, dude, I, I really had to use the bathroom. So I, I run out. Finally, I run to the bathroom. And as soon as I get in the bathroom, I look, and it's John standing there. And he said, man, I did the craziest thing next. I avoided John. He said, I turned around and ran out before John saw me, and I went all the way across the campus just to use the other bathroom. And so as he's doing that, he's thinking, this is crazy. Like, I just got forgiven all this debt. I should be, like, super happy right now. And I run all the way to the other end of the campus when I really got to use the bathroom. I mean, that's a risky move. What if I go to the bathroom without getting to the bathroom at this church I work at now, you know, anyway. So God tells him, do you want to, you know, yeah, that is crazy. You want to know why you're doing that? And so he gets along with the Lord and this is what God, this is what God told him. You don't think you're worth $30,000. And so he sat in that and God said it again. The problem is you don't think you're worth $30,000. You're afraid that if John knew who you really were, he would regret giving you that $30,000. And so you don't think you're worth that. And then he sat there and he really thought about that. And the Lord said this, you'll never receive a blessing greater than you value yourself. You'll never receive a blessing greater than you value yourself. And the problem with that is that I value you more than you value yourself. And you're sabotaging my blessings. That's crazy. And when I heard that, I thought, wow. That's so true. We can, we can sabotage God's blessings. That's why it's so important 
for us to place our identity in who God says we are and not how we perform for God. Our performance does not uh, matter to God as far as how much he loves us and how much he wants to bless us. Now, sometimes sin can get in the way of our relationship with God, but it doesn't dictate how much he loves us and how much he wants to bless us. Y'all receive that? And that was something that just shook me. Um, so I'll ask again, has anybody ever had trouble receiving a gift? And you don't have to, you don't have to really answer, but if the answer is yes, do you value yourself more than that gift? And if the answer is no, I want to encourage you, take that to the Lord and let the Lord love on you. Get in the presence of God and talk to God about that because you can't have thanksgiving without giving and receiving. And I want to read this in James chapter 1, verse 16. It says, do not be deceived. So before we even go any further than that, James is saying that people were being deceived about this. So people were thinking the opposite of what this verse says. But he says, do not be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. And so he says, don't be deceived. I have a little cheesy thing here. Um, I don't know if I was just in this cheesy mood when I was writing this, but a cheesy way to say that is, do not be deceived, receive. Is that good? Okay. Anyway, um, now when we allow ourselves to be givers and receivers, Thanksgiving can finally take place. And so the truth is, like I said earlier, Thanksgiving is more than just a date on a calendar. It's more than just a holiday with a ton of food and, and awkward family experiences sometimes. Um, it's, it's not a subject. And that's the truth. I Googled that word and very rarely did I find the subject of Thanksgiving being a holiday. I found a continual verb. And I found that it's an action verb. And this is what most of them said. It's a posture of your heart and a state of mind. Thanksgiving is a posture of your heart and a state of mind. It's an experience. So what if for this month we made a conscious effort? Now, I don't want you to walk away from this message and just, well, that was all right. I want you to make a conscious effort. But what if this month we made a conscious effort to do those three things, to be giving, to be givers, to, to receive whenever somebody wants to bless us and to be thankful. What would the end of the month look like? What will we look like? Uh, I kind of have an idea of that. I took a class, I was really hard to get into at UL. I think it was Sociology 480. And um, we had this project, it was a semester long project. And so there was, there was 99 days in the class if you counted the weekends. And the project was called the 99 Grateful Project. I wish we could do it in here. Maybe we will one day, but um, it was a not, not for 99 days, but uh, it was the 99 Grateful Project. And this is what you did. Every day, you had to journal one full page of one thing that you were thankful for or one thing that you were grateful for. And so you, you just have to pick something and you journal about it every day for 99 days. And at the end of that, you had to, you had to put together a slideshow. Um, of like a picture of whatever that was and you had to present it to the class and like it was 50% of your grade. So you could have made A's the whole semester. If you didn't do this project, you're failing, right? And so when I first found out about that, I was so aggravated. I'm not even gonna lie to you. I was so frustrated. You know how much writing that is? That's, that's 100 pages of writing. Oh my goodness. And now I gotta find 100 things to be thankful for. 
And what's crazy is I couldn't think of one thing like the first week. I mean, I was thinking of silly things like, man, I'm sure am thankful for water bottles. Or, you know, I was thinking of these little things. But this is something that happened to me around like day 20. It was really cold. And I made the joke to one of my roommates in college. Whoo, man, I'm really, I was being sarcastic about uh, what I was thankful for about this project. I was like, whoo, man, I'm so glad I got this jacket. <laughs> like just being cheesy. And when I walked outside, the Holy Spirit convicted me. And I felt like the Lord say, plenty of people don't have a jacket. I thought, well, okay. So I kind of, I went deeper into this project. This wasn't a part of the, the requirements, but I went that day. I didn't use my heater in my, in my truck. I didn't use my jacket. I didn't use any blankets or any of that type of stuff. Now I'm not saying, I'm not saying go do that. Um, but I'm going to tell you, the next day, day 21, I was, I was legitimately thankful that I had a jacket. And, and I could give you a story like that for everything from probably day 20 until day 99, minus maybe a couple of days I, I didn't do it or cheated and made something up. Um, not advocating that, but at the end of it, I noticed this, okay? At the end of this project, after I did the slideshow and all that stuff, um, I noticed that this, this had an impact on me, um, I noticed there were a few different things about myself, and the way that I noticed it was one of my roommates made a comment, um, and, and I took that to the Lord that night, and I was like, man, God, is that, is that the case? And his comment was, dude, why are you always looking for good in people, even when something's wrong with them? And I wasn't always like that. I haven't always been that type of a person, but I noticed that I was so optimistic at the end of these 99 days, like I was, I, was, I was grateful for, uh, genuinely grateful, not being cheesy anymore. Like I was genuinely grateful for the smallest things. Like it would, gen- it would light me up. I also, I also noticed that I was extremely optimistic. I saw the good in everybody and in everything. I mean, it's like if my truck would have broke down on the side of the road, honestly, I don't think I'd have been all that upset about it. Like I'm sure I wouldn't have been happy about it, but I probably would have found something good out of it. I know that sounds crazy, but... Um, I really was never in a bad mood. Like even when bad things would happen, I wasn't in a bad mood. Um, I think I was more of a joy to be around. And one of my roommates had said that. He's like, dude, like you, you're more of a joy to be around. Um, I'd catch myself looking for the good in other people's lives. I'd notice, I'd start like telling people, hey, you know what I noticed about you? And I would hand out compliments all the time. And it wasn't in a cheesy way. It was very authentic. And at the end of that, um, I wish I'd have kept it up. I didn't. Um, but I realized this when I was spending my alone time with God. I was experiencing two verses. It wasn't anything special about the the project. All that project made me do was what God's word already said to do. And that's in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. It says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. When I read that, that's the smallest sentence in that verse. It's probably the first thing I'd skip over um, or last thing I'd skip over because it's at the end. But um, what happened was peace was ruling in my heart because I was putting this scripture into practice. The second verse was his first Thessalonians 5 verse 18 says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And so I noticed that and what I felt like the Lord was telling me as I was reflecting on this is I want you to be thankful because I always want you to experience peace 
and thankfulness and the fruit of thankfulness. And so I want to challenge you, you know, just for the rest of this month, you know, we have life groups for the rest of the month. We're going to have our large groups next week, and then we're going to have our small groups for the rest of the month. I just want to challenge you guys. I know not everybody is going to do that in here. And I think I'll be lucky if 50% of you guys do that in here. But I just want to encourage you and just challenge you. If you could be thankful just for one thing, you don't have to journal about it. Um, That'd be great if you did. I think that made a difference. But just pick out one thing and share it with somebody in your small group or share it with somebody, even if you pick out a couple things and share it at at your next life group. But if you'll do that every day till Thanksgiving, I think you'll see the same thing I saw when I did that that 99 Grateful Project. Um, let's, let's stand. And I have one more story as we stand. So um, how many of you know Nathan, Sam? If you come to church here, you know Nathan. Um, if not, he's, he's our worship leader um, in the main church. And uh, Nathan and I are good friends. We just haven't had a chance to catch up in a really long time. Like a couple months is a really long time. But um, man, one morning last week, we, we were realized we had like 45 minutes of free time and we needed to meet about a few things. So he asked me, he's like, hey, man, you want to go to Coffee Depot and grab some breakfast? So, yeah, we went and uh, on our way out, you know, we saw um, a couple of people that work here and offered to buy them breakfast. And so we're sitting in Coffee Depot and we're eating. And you know how like when you go somewhere, you look around to see who you know, like you scan the room. So we scanned the room. We didn't know anybody in this place. And so we're eating and everything, and they bring us our to-go stuff for the people who are over here. And um, we're taking out our wallets. And we're, you know, before they ask, we're saying, hey, it'll be separate. And, um, and she's like, hey, hey, it's, it's already been paid. Somebody took care of it. And uh, has that ever happened to anybody? Somebody maybe pay for your coffee or your food or, or something like that. What an awesome feeling. What an awesome feeling. And so I remember as I'm walking out, I'm asking him, I'm like, dude, did you see anybody that we know? And he's saying, no, nah, dude, I don't know who paid for our stuff. It was the coolest thing in the world. Um, and as we're on our way back, I'm thinking, like, why would somebody, like, I'm just thinking into this, like, man, that wasn't a sh- like a small bill. Like, because me and him both had a nice size breakfast, and we got a bunch of breakfast to go for a bunch of people over here. Like, I don't know if that person just said, hey, uh, I'll pay for their stuff. And when they heard the, the amount, they were like, whoa, never mind. Like, <laughs> it had to be a lot. It was just a high price, you know. Um, so I'm on my way back, and I'm thinking, man, why would somebody just pay that? Like, they didn't eat that. We ate the food, and the people we got the food for are going to eat the food. They don't have any benefit from this. Why'd they pay for that? Like, that was our debt. And, like, I'd heard somebody preach something similar to this before, but it, was, it wasn't just um, regular information to me anymore. It was an experience. And, um, and what, a, what, what a picture of what Jesus did. Now, Jesus didn't buy somebody's breakfast, but everybody's a sinner. Like, everybody's born into this world not meeting the standard that it takes to be in the presence of God. That's not the way God wanted it. He didn't create us that way. He created us to be in relationship with us. That's the only reason he created us. He created us to love us and to bless us, not to, not to be slaves. Angels do that. He created us to love us and to bless us. And we fell into sin, and we couldn't pay that debt. So he paid our debt for us. It's crazy. All we have to do is receive that gift of salvation. 
And as I was thinking through that, I thought, you know, technically, I didn't have to receive that gift that that person bought me. I mean, I ate the food already, but if I, it, would have, it sounds weird to even say this, but I could have been persistent and said, no, I'm paying that bill. That's my stuff. But that wouldn't even make sense, right? Even when I say that, it's like, well, why would you, if somebody paid for you already, why would you want to pay yourself? It's weird. But the thing is, we do that, or people do that, not us, but people do that when they choose not to accept Jesus into their heart and not to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. They're, they're wanting to pay their own debt. And all you got to do is receive that gift. When I start thinking about thanksgiving, and I start, I start thinking about, hey, you can't, ha- you can't be thankful if you, if you don't receive something. You can't be thankful if there's not a giver and a receiver. Man, that's a picture of the gospel. Thanksgiving is not about a holiday. It's not even about going give somebody at, something at the grocery store or receiving a present. Thanksgiving, man, if we look at it for what it really can be and what it really is, true thanksgiving is the gospel. Jesus died so that he can give us eternal life. John chapter 3, verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave, all right, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Another way could say that whoever receives him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's everybody in this room he did that for. And so look, hey, before anybody even leaves in here, I don't want to assume you're saved. I don't want to assume you've given your life to Jesus. You could come to this church every day. That doesn't save you. That doesn't make you a child of God. What makes you a child of God is if you say, hey, Jesus, I know that I've sinned. I repent of my sins. I want you to come into my life. I want you to be my Lord and be my Savior. That's what saves you. So I just, out of respect, everybody just bow your heads. I never want to take for granted that just because you may have come here a lot, that, you, that you've really meant that from your heart. And as we go into this, this month of thanksgiving, I would pray, I want, I want everyone in here to really experience thanksgiving. The truth is you can't pay for your own sins. That's not even how we're designed. Jesus died so that he would pay for that for us. So if that's you, look, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to make you come up here or announce where you are in the room. But everybody has their eyes closed and their heads bowed. No one's looking around. If that's you, just slip your hand up. All I want to do is pray for you. If that's you, I just want you to slip your hand up. I see your hand see your hand man there are hands going up in here that's awesome let's give it another second because I just feel like there's somebody else and I I don't want to not give you another chance to slip your hand up I see your hand awesome now I, I just want us to all pray this prayer together everybody say it together and if your hand's up everybody's gonna pray this with you we can all lead a prayer and, and, and we can all pray this prayer together. One thing we can't do is mean it for you. So if you raised your hand tonight, if you mean this with your heart, the Bible says you'll, you'll be saved. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Christ is Lord and you, he died for your sins, you'll be saved. So let's pray together. Jesus, I'm, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I fall short from your glorious standard. But I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. 
I'm asking that you would come into my heart. And I want to make you the Lord of my life and my Savior. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time, you just got saved. You just got born again. That's the best decision that you'll ever make in your life. It's going to change the course of your, not just this life, but your eternity. It's going to change your life forever. Now, I want to pray over you guys. And every time we have a service, I never want to run through this last part here. And that's altar ministry. That's prayer. So I'd like all my, all my leaders to come up. Um, come up here at the altar. And we're going to open up the altars for prayer. As soon as I finish praying, if you want prayer, I want to encourage you to come up, stand with somebody and pray. We underestimate the power of prayer. If you prayed that prayer for the first time tonight, I just want to meet you. If you can just come up and I'll talk with you and pray with you again. I'm going to pray over you guys. You'll have a great week. Lord Jesus, I just pray, God, that every student in this room, that they would leave here and, and you would take something from tonight's message. God, I pray that they would remember what you told me, that we can't have thanksgiving without a giver and a receiver. And so, God, I pray that that you would just give people in here a heart to give and that people would know that your value of them is what you want them to receive. God, I pray that no one sabotage a blessing from you. Lord, I pray that as everybody would leave here tonight, that they would come to know what thanksgiving really means. That it's not just a holiday, that it's an action. It's something they experience from you. And Lord, I pray that you would protect everybody as they leave here tonight. Lord, I pray that, that not only would they experience you and that they would experience Thanksgiving, but God, I pray their families would experience Thanksgiving. I pray that their parents, their grandparents, their brothers and sisters, their friends would experience that. And I pray that the same experience that I had whenever I, I, I've just implemented those two verses... I pray they would all experience that same thing, God. Give us all, God, me included, a true heart of thanksgiving. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Again, thanks for joining us. For more info on Fusion, you can check us out on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram.